0: Hey everyone, it's Chris. I know it's been a while since we published Supercharged, and we're really keen to make more documentary series like this. But in the interim, I want to tell you about a brand new show that we've launched at Lawson Media. It's a daily news podcast called The Defrag, and it explores the intersection of technology, business, politics, and science. If you enjoyed Supercharged, you'll probably love The Defrag as well. If you'd like to listen to the show, you can subscribe in your favourite podcast app, Or you can visit our website, thedefrag.com. I'll also put a link in the episode show notes. To give you a bit of a taste for the series, I want to share with you an episode that we published a couple of weeks ago looking at the future of battery technology. If you enjoy this episode, then I hope you'll consider becoming a listener to The Defrag. This is The Defrag. I'm Christopher Lawson. Chances are you're listening to this podcast right now on a mobile phone. Whether it's an iPhone or an Android device, they all have something in common, a battery, and specifically a lithium-ion battery. Lithium-ion batteries are loved by device makers because of their energy density, that is the amount of energy you can store based on their relative size. However, they aren't without problems, and some of these problems can be quite significant but there are teams of people working to improve battery technology to make sure that our next generation of devices can reach their full potential without some of the negatives.
1: Yeah, everyone's probably listening here on a, a lithium-ion powered device. Uh, they were first uh, discovered uh, in the 80s and the, the Nobel Prize two years ago was for the lithium-ion battery. Uh, well, my name's Matthew Hill. I'm a professor at, at Monash University in the Chemical and Biological uh, Engineering Department. And uh, I've worked for many years uh, in the area of porous materials, materials with lots of holes in them. And uh, we use those holes to control where molecules go and how they behave. Uh, And essentially, uh, the way it works is you have two sides of a a battery. You've got the cathode uh, and the anode. And you're moving lithium ions from one side to the other. uh, And that's either creating, you're charging up the battery, or you're releasing them and discharging. The battery uh, as those lithium ions move. So on the on the cathode side uh, is some kind of a mineral, so it'll be lithium mixed in with metals like nickel or cobalt. Uh, and on the anode side, most commonly is used graphite. So what's in lead pencils, for example. And the the key discovery in lithium-ion batteries was that the lithium can sort of slot in between the layers of the graphite uh, and be stored uh, on on the anode side. And so lithium-ion batteries are the lithium going back and forth from one side to the other uh, to create a current, which gives us the power.
0: When we talk about small devices like mobile phones or iPads, perhaps even laptops, the conversations often involve battery life. We want to know how long our batteries can last. And lithium-ion batteries currently offer us the best balance between battery density and the number of cycles the battery can make before it starts to lose capacity.
1: So, they operate at a high voltage and they have very high energy density. So, that's the amount of electricity you can store, you know, per volume or per weight. So, litres per per litre or per kilogram. And lithium-ion batteries are are really uh, quite fantastic at that. And that's why we're sitting here watching them being used more and more and more uh, all around the world.
0: What are some of the limitations of those existing battery technologies?
1: Well, one of the challenges, of course, with with lithium ion batteries is that uh, half of the cost of the production for lithium ion batteries is the the cathode, and that's because it's got metals like nickel and cobalt, cobalt present. They're, they've gone up in price fifty percent just in the last year. That that, that is just going to continue. Uh, they're not widely available globally. Uh, they're, they're in limited countries. Uh, and they have issues with toxicity, safety, uh, and even the ethics of of how they're mined. Uh, and so, uh, we've got this truly expensive uh, component there, it gives it a lot of the function, but uh, if we look at the forecast for how many batteries we're going to need in the next 10 years, we don't have a supply of the, of the minerals uh, to deliver that.
0: As Matthew mentioned, a lot of lithium-ion batteries rely on materials like cobalt, and that's a big problem. Cobalt is a major concern for battery manufacturers. It's not that cobalt in itself is a rare material, but how it's mined can be the big issue. A lot of the world's cobalt originates in the Democratic Republic of Congo, and it's a country where it's not uncommon to see dodgy mining practices, like workers being poorly paid for the work that they're doing, and children being exploited and forced to work in the mines. We'll try and dive into this issue in another episode of the show. But when it comes to the work that Matthew and the team at Monash University are doing, their real focus is on trying to create batteries that outperform lithium iron, but without all the negative consequences that come from using materials like cobalt. And one such area that they're seeing major progress in is the creation of lithium sulfur batteries. So how do they work and how are they different from lithium iron?
1: Well, lithium sulfur batteries, uh, we change up uh, what's in the battery. So instead of having that, that mineral of nickel and cobalt as a cathode, now the cathode is sulfur. Uh, and sulfur is a, a cheap and freely available material that's, that's even considered waste uh, in many cases, extremely low cost. Uh, and on the anode side, we use lithium uh, to, to create uh, our cell. And so lithium sulfur on the face of it is so much cheaper hugely cheaper uh, when compared to lithium-ion batteries. Uh, Not without its challenges though. So when we first started in this area, if we could charge up a battery 10 times, we were celebrating. Um, Now we're at about 2000, uh, but we've got to keep going. So uh, we need to get this up to tens of thousands of charges, but uh, in a short couple of years, we've, we've got all the way up to 2000 and still going well.
0: Even even a couple thousand thousands is impressive given that you know a lot of lithium-ion batteries start to deteriorate after around a thousand cycles.
1: Yeah, that's right. And, and anyone who has a phone for a while will know that you'd have to start charging it up more and more and more. And that's typically because it starts to lose its overall storage capacity. Uh, Lithium-sulfur batteries uh, per weight uh, can store a lot more energy uh, than lithium-ion batteries. And so for situations where Uh, where that's an important factor, Uh, you have to charge it up even less often so that 2,000 charges goes even further.
0: Matthew's team has made a lot of progress in the creation of lithium sulphur batteries, and they've just announced a new advancement in the technology, and it has the capability to extend the life of the cells.
1: Well, One of the things that stops these batteries lasting for a long time is that some chemicals form in the inside the battery that we don't really want to have form uh, and they're called polysulfides and if those polysulfides too many of them get over to your lithium metal anode uh, they make the anode start to grow what's called a, a dendrite which is kind of like a if you think of it in a cave like a little stalactite a little wiry furry growth uh, and a, each time you charge it up that that grows more and more and pretty soon Uh, Those dendrites form a short circuit and then your battery stops working, uh, possibly in a spectacular fashion. And so what we did was to create a a little filter that sits right in the middle of the battery uh, and it stops polysulfides getting across to the other side. But uh, what we're also really excited about was it promotes lithium going through. So the lithium goes even faster. So we knew when we could stop the polysulfides that we could get more cycles. But what got us really excited was that at the same time, we could do it faster. So we can charge the battery more quickly. And similarly, we can release the energy more quickly. So that really starts to open up the potential uses of of our, our discovery.
0: So what are the potential use cases? And how could this technology improve our increasingly electrified lives? That's coming up after this short break. Professor Matthew Hill and his team at Monash University have been making advancements in the development of lithium sulfur batteries. So what possibilities could these batteries unlock if they were to make it into production?
1: Yeah, I think one of the best use cases here would be for uh, storage of renewable energy. So uh, I'll be putting my hand up first to have one of these on the side of my house uh, to to store the power from our solar panels. That's definitely an early use case. larger uh, electric vehicles as well very good uh, use of lithium sulfur batteries and then long term uh, anywhere as we go ahead that that we want to store energy and do it at as low a possible cost these kinds of batteries is going to start to come into their own those high-powered electronics uh, lithium-ion batteries are, are wonderful for that uh, and we wouldn't propose that we'd be putting these in your phone anytime soon which uh, we, we should be continuing with lithium-ion batteries but With the electrification revolution happening there are so many more uh uses required and we've got to get things cheaper and cheaper and cheaper so that we can have batteries uh everywhere
0: speaking about that sort of electrification uh, of society how important is the evolution of lithium batteries to our increasingly electric society
1: well it's absolutely critical so if we if we don't keep to developing these batteries the batteries will be too expensive uh, and non-recyclable. So within within a couple of years' time, we're going to start to see that uh, minerals that are available uh, in the ground are just not available anymore. And uh, some of your listeners might have seen uh, stories in the news over the past few months where uh, car companies are going and directly purchasing nickel and cobalt mines. And that that's not through some altruistic uh, goal, that's because they're they're worried they won't even have the minerals to be able to make their electric vehicles. And so these kinds of technologies that take us away from needing to be reliant on those minerals and link us back to things that are solely available in Australia, uh, then that positions us really well to have a more sustainable uh, battery. But without batteries, Uh, renewable energy won't ever be able to supply our grid because we need constant supply and batteries are uh, the best way of doing that.